Okay, let's talk about trash fish. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a little trash talking here. Uh, we, we, we talked about how we can divide fish into predator species and trash or rough fish. And let's take a, a deeper dive into these guys. And if you remember, we, we call these rough fish or, or trash fish because they're, they're not predators. They don't actively go out and, and bite a lure or attack a lure or, or suck in a worm or something like that. These fish do not feed that way. A long-nosed long sucker is a, is a prime example of this. They, well, they're aptly named. They, they literally vacuum the bottom of, of lakes and uh, streams looking for those little invertebrates you know they'll they'll suck in a small crayfish every now and then but they're they're really looking for uh insects uh things like that when i was a kid up in uh, the allegheny mountains during the summer there was a bridge that crossed the little tinesta uh, uh, river and a group of us kids would go out there on this bridge and would fish for sucker and we would would line the bridge. The bridge was an old iron trussle bridge, which they don't even have those anymore. And we would get in the iron works and be hanging off the bridge and have a worm on uh, a line with a split shot, and we would position the, the, the worm uh, directly ahead of the upstream swimming sucker who was just working the bottom you know kind of moving its head back and forth literally vacuuming the uh, the, the the bottom and they would go right over top of our worm we'd get so excited he's coming he's coming he's coming you know hold still hold still not yet not yet he's there he's there and then the fish would just keep on going it's like what the it wouldn't bite the worm this is so weird. It didn't take us very long to figure out that whenever that sucker was going right over our worm, that's when we <coughs> set the hook. Yeah, okay, we were snagging suckers. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's technically illegal. Um, what do you do with a sucker? Well, you throw them back because... They're really, really bony, and they're not very good eating. And you, you catch them. I okay, you snag them, and then you throw them back. We were kids. We were having fun. We were staying out of trouble, mostly. Um, average length, fifteen to to twenty five inches. Um, there is a technique for catching sucker during the spawn. And I know virtually nothing about it, uh, but there, there's the whole category of these these fish can be caught uh, during spawning periods. There's other things you could be doing than, than messing around with suckers. Here's our thread fin shad that we have talked about down in uh, uh, Lake Monroe. Um, these were illegally introduced into Monroe back during the uh, in in the 70s uh, average size is one to two inches they can grow to as large as as eight inches or so 
Uh, bass are the uh, one of the primary predators of, uh, of shad, uh, and of course the striped bass or hybrid striped bass. These are plankton feeders. They do not eat invertebrates. They do not eat small minnows. They only eat plankton, which makes them so incredibly dangerous in a watershed because if they're eating all the plankton, that's plankton that's not feeding, you know, small minnows, uh, the small fry of bass and things like that. So they can very quickly deplete a, a watershed. Hence, they are a trash fish, not a game fish. Now we get to carp. We've, we've talked about carp before. Is this a game fish or is this a trash fish? Uh, when I was a kid, it was most definitely a trash fish. We would fish for them, but we would certainly not eat them. And they were not really part of the American lexicon whenever it comes to, to freshwater uh, fishing. They have a really unique history. I don't think we've talked about this in uh, in class. Carp are originally from Asia. A lot of things are originally from Asia. And they were imported into Eastern Europe way back during the spice trade, the overland spice trade with China. If you, if you remember the uh, Silk Road, overland through Mongolia and in, into China. Uh, these carp were, were, were brought in as a, as a food source. In, in Asia, you know, carp is, is like eating beef around here. Uh, you know, very, very popular. They were imported into Eastern Europe and for centuries was a very stable food. In fact, we'll, we'll, I'll give you some links to some, you know, very unique, you know, carp videos. Uh, they've spread throughout Western Europe and were imported into the United States, I believe around 1870, 1880s, someplace in there. Uh, after the Civil War, we had a tremendous influx of Western or Eastern Europeans into the U.S. And the uh, Agriculture Department was afraid that we were not producing enough food for all these new immigrants, and they would find our food not very, you know, tasteful, and would prefer their their native food. So somebody came up with a bright idea of importing a bunch of carp from Eastern Europe, and they set up aquaculture farms throughout Pennsylvania, New York primarily situated around Philadelphia and New York City, where most of these immigrants were, were settling. And it was a great success for yeah, six months, a year, maybe two years. Um, the, 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 the new immigrants discovered beef. And that wasn't in, in terribly um, that wasn't terribly plentiful in in the home country. Uh, we had tons of beef 
were really good at growing beef. And they acquired a taste for, for hamburger and steak and so on and so forth. And um, who wants to eat a nasty old carp whenever you can, you know, sit down to, to a nice, uh, you know, cow? So a lot of these aquaculture farms kind of fell by the wayside. And you add one, two, three real good floods and all these fish get washed out of the aquaculture lakes and into the, uh, the, the, the main rivers. And it doesn't take very many decades for these fish to literally migrate throughout the entire uh, United States. I don't know if there's any place that does not have carp. We consider them native because they've been here so long. You know, we call them common carp. But technically, they're a European carp. Technically, they're a Asian carp. Now, I have up here grass carp. That is actually a different species. And a lot of people will throw the, the terms around, a grass carp and a common carp, but they're not the same thing. Uh, grass carp are very specific. We'll, we'll get to them a little later. Uh, ideal water temperature is 75 to 85 degrees. Um, average length, 22 inches. I mean, this is one of the, the larger species that, that we have. Uh, you're not going to catch a 22-inch largemouth bass. Uh, yeah, pike you certainly will, or, or, or musky. Um, bluegill, no. I mean, walleye you can get up into to 22. But this is average size, 22 inches. I mean, this is this is a good-sized fish, and you can get, you know, uh, <laughs> you can get a 3-foot carp that weighs 30 pounds. And if you want to have some fun latch onto one of these guys with a four-weight fly rod <laughs> yeah we're going to town you know we, we talked about how largemouth bass you know you hook into one and he fights and he fights and he fights and he fights and he you know it's like okay i'm going to do a jump and he fights and he fights okay i'm done and you reel him in and you release him and he gives you a tail wag and he's back into the water um not carp you hook into a carp and it is like igniting a freight train. I mean, they are out of here heading for the next county and they don't care if they're dragging you behind it or not. Um, if you, if you want to have, have some great fun and if you can catch some carp um, whenever they're feeding in shallow water, the, these guys have an incredible lateral line. It's huge. Running down both sides of the back, uh, their, their sides, they detect everything. I mean, whenever you close your car door in the parking lot, they hear that. I mean, they are very, very sensitive fish. It, they're rather difficult to just sneak up on. You'll, you'll find these guys along the, uh, the shoreline uh, tailing. And that's when their heads down into the uh, into the bottom, uh, their their tails are, are breaking the surface, and they're they're literally rooting the bottom of of the uh, of, of the lake or stream, looking for invertebrates. And you're walking along the shoreline, you can get so close. It might be ten feet. It might be five feet. But at, at a certain point, these guys are going to explode, and they're going to, to throw water, and you'll just see this underwater missile 
you know, taking off uh, through the water. My, my wife and I, when we were on our honeymoon uh, way back when, uh, we're up in, in the Allegheny uh, Mountains uh, on uh, the Kinzu Reservoir in a in a canoe, a Mad River Kevlar Explorer to be exact. Uh, yeah, my wife went canoeing on, on our honeymoon. How how great is that? And uh, uh, we were out there in the, uh, the, the the shallow backwater, and the carp were just everywhere. And we were paddling through them. And in a canoe, of course, you're absolutely silent. And we would glide over top of one, and it would detect us. And it was like a small depth charge going off under the boat. I mean, it was just whoop, and you know they smack into the boat, and there'd be this huge, uh, uh, you know, commotion and water flying over the place. And when one lights off like that, they all light off. And so we'd we'd have carp just you know torpedoing one way and another. And some of them were were coming straight at us, and it would just smack into the side of the boat. It was absolutely wild. Anyway, you can fish for carp. It's become an industry. It's actually quite big in uh, in fly fishing nowadays. There are carp fly fishing guides, if you can believe that. Yes, uh, Michigan. Um, do a Google search. There, there's a guy up near Petoskey who 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 guides half day. Um, carp fishing on Traverse Bay and just absolutely wild there there's all there's flies that that fly fishermen will tie specifically for carp if you don't want to go that route you can catch them in in uh, other ways when 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 I was a kid I told you we used to go out on uh, on Friday nights with uh, Dough ball on one hook and a night crawler on uh, the other hook of a Kentucky rig, and you'd usually catch the uh, the carp on the dough ball. There's we we talked about the uh, Wheaties recipe for for carp bait. You can also use canned corn, is an effective bait for for carp, or you can adopt the Eastern or the uh, the European method. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're not done here. There you go. Totalcarp.com Carp fishing in Europe is a really big thing. I don't know. Maybe they're really bored. Uh, but it, 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 it's huge over there. The Number one, the carp are huge over there. There's, there's websites. There's magazines. There's tackle specifically for carp. I've included uh, several videos in the, the unit through unit three video list. Uh, just just you know cruise through there. Um, it's it's absolutely uh, wild. You can also this was uh, uh, U.S. Carp Pro, um, a magazine that was uh, in existence for a few years, um, about a dozen years ago in the U.S. It's um, the magazine itself, like so many of them, have, have ceased to exist, uh, but the website is still uh, alive and well. And do a quick, uh, a quick Google search, and you will find uh, uh, organizations primarily in the south that have um, uh, carp ends, 
where a whole bunch of people will show up at a lake and they'll they'll fish for carp. They'll have a uh, either a barbecue or or, or pitch in um, uh, dinners, um, a big social event. In fact, one of the the advertisements is uh, a, a, a bunch of people getting together and we might fish for carp. So yeah, carp fishing is 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 really big. Uh, it, it used to be something that that just well, honestly, poor people did. Um, but nowadays it is it, is huge. Carp has a bad rap in the U.S. We don't eat carp. You know, throughout Asia they eat carp. It's it's a staple food. But in the U.S. we have never develop the taste for it and i think one of the well here let me illustrate my my i asked my my uncle uh when i was a kid about uh, uh fishing uh for carp and and eating carp and he said oh yeah yeah we we used to fish for carp we used to eat them and i asked how he cooked them he says well that's really simple we would um Go out and catch catch carp he says you don't need you know one or two we'll, we'll, we'll feed you um Build a fire in the backyard. He had a fire pit back there. And uh, uh, use some hardwoods, get a really good bed of coal, and then get a either a cedar board or an oak board and put the carp on and, and nail it right through the head, right onto the board. You don't even need to, to, um, to uh, scale them or, or, or even gut them. Uh, just nail the carp right onto the board and then place the, the board on the, the hot coals and, and leave it. Um, half hour, 45 minutes. Come back and everything will be, be nicely blackened uh take the uh uh pull the the, the board with the carp out of the, the fire uh take the uh carp off throw it away and eat the board that's the american's approach to carp you know they're they're just a a, a waste fish uh, a rough fish a trash fish the department of the uh, natural resources in Illinois has done a really good job of trying to promote more carp consumption in the U.S. or specifically the state of Illinois. And on their website, I believe I have these videos in Unit 3, they show you how to clean carp. This is the thing that Americans always screw up. We don't clean these things well. Remember how sensitive I told you that carp are? How they can hear you coming from a mile away? That's because they have a huge lateral line. If if you look at you know a bluegill, a trout, a a largemouth bass, the lateral line's not very big. I mean, it's it's literally a kind of a line that runs down both sides of the fish. On a carp. That lateral line takes up about a third of the side of the fish. So let's imagine that you uh, flay a carp, and you've got this big slab of of meat right during this. I really need to get some photos of this. Right down the middle of it is this dark reddish, brownish, nastyish looking area. We always called that the mud line. And you've got to cut that out. And in essence, whenever you get done cutting out the med line, 
you only have two-thirds of the flay left because it is so large. But the uh, uh, the video does a really good job of showing how to do that. I mean, carp's been eaten, you know, throughout Asia for literally uh, millennium, and we just don't do it very well. Okay, here's a, uh, here's a slide that kind of gives you a relative size of the various species. The, uh, the, the muskie can eat anything on here. Um, poor little bluegill, you know, don't stand a chance. Um, they're a forage fish. Uh, largemouth bass can eat a 10-inch, a, what is it, a, a three-pound largemouth bass can eat a 10-inch largemouth bass. You know, so you think of a fish eating half its body, and you can see how these these various fish stack up. The salmon is probably a little undersized. They can easily become as large as uh, as most muskies uh, on there. Uh, catfish, if we're talking blue catfish, they can certainly become as as large as a as a muskie. So this is 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 relative and and probably not not all that terribly accurate. So anyway, that kind of wraps up our. Um, fish species. Uh, remember, this is the, the classifications that we were using uh, for class where we break things down into uh, saltwater species, freshwater species. The two saltwater species that we find in Indiana would be the salmon and the striped bass. The cold water species that we've talked about are the rainbow trout and the, uh, the Chinook salmon. Uh, everything else is warm water species, and we, we break all of these down into either game fish or rough fish. Uh, sometimes we call them uh, trash fish. So in, in the terms of, of carp, is that going to be a game fish? or a rough fish and probably a more modern definition between these two is does the fish have economic value three or four decades ago catfish were considered a rough fish now they're food I mean we farm them aquaculture um, we have catfish tournaments. I mean, catfish is really big. Um, I think carp has kind of moved into the, 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 the game fish category simply due to their economic impact. I mean, whenever you get a magazine you know, devoted to you, you've, you've, you've kind of arrived into the, the game fish uh, category. Here's kind of a final look at um, fish species, various blocks that show the, the different categories. Uh, the true bass, if you remember, were things like uh, <clears throat> the uh, striped bass, white bass, yellow bass. The salmonoids were the Chinook salmon, the brown trout, rainbow trout, uh, perch, we had the yellow perch and a walleye. And go back through the the listings of these and and <clears throat> put your various species 
matched up with the family that they belong to. So what exactly goes into the the, the panfish? What exactly goes into the uh, the, the true pat uh, true bass? Um, oh, here's an idea. We haven't got to aquatic invasive species yet. Um, here's an idea. If anybody wants to do a Venn diagram using the the family groups, the panfish, true bass, catfish, so on and so forth, with the different species related in there, I will give you some extra credit. Uh, honestly, this is something that we do in class where I turn the entire classroom into a human Venn diagram. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> there is no social distancing in that exercise. Uh, so if you want to do that on paper, uh, scan it, email it to me. Um, that would be great. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some extra credit your way. Otherwise, we're going to wrap up with uh, the, the fish species and get into conservation and ethics in the next lecture.